Oh my lord. It's not a feeling, Belisha. Okay, does this smell? You know what's jokes about? Come on. Oh man. This is my midsummer night's theme to your midsummer night's dream. So so for, for me and my example, I guess for me and myself and Belgrade Theatre, um, these past few weeks, we obviously have a black artistic director called Corey Campbell, who is a phenomenal human being. First of all. Second of all, <laughs> um, now has been the time to go, Corey, what do you want? Do you want to do something? And one of those days was like, no, Vali, I don't want to do anything. And the other day was like, yeah, I'm going to put this out. All I can do is hold space. All I can do in those moments is go, I am here. I hear what you're saying and I will do exactly what you want to do. Because that's, that's what's important right now. I remember asking an officer, you know, um, we were doing something called um, um, 100 Black Men. It was a Saturday school that we used to do to encourage um, black entrepreneurship. And an officer came in and I had to ask the officer a simple question. And I wanted to know, at what age do you stop seeing me as a child enough that at 15, I'm stood in front of you telling you, the amount of times I've been arrested and beaten by police. And he instantly said, I don't look 15. He said, but you don't look 15. And I knew that that was literally because black is aggressive, black is violent, black is broad-shouldered, black is wide-nosed, you know, black is frowning, black is etc. etc. Because in terms of my height and my build, there were white boys in my school who had the exact same height and frame that hadn't had those experiences. But as Jane Elliott rightly says, if you grow to be 12 years old, I think she actually says eight, but if you grow to be 12 years old for this example, and you aren't racist, then the state, your government, your country has failed <laughs> because you are taught very early on that black lives do not matter. Or indeed, you're taught very early on that white lives matter more. Maybe that's the teaching, actually. That's a good soundbite there. This is my Midsummer Night's theme to your Midsummer Night's dream. I've been thinking about how life has changed since summer 19. Eric Garner said, I can't breathe. George Floyd said, I can't breathe. That officer went hand to hand with Sandra Bland and she said, <gasps> And now I can't breathe. I actually find that America's a lot easier to deal with because it's there, it's in your face. So the whole Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter to a lot of the supremacists or even, you know, far right movement, they say All Lives Matter based on the fact that they believe Black Lives Matter are inferior. Whereas here in the UK, we say All Lives, or people say All Lives Matter as opposed to Black Lives Matter because they don't believe that Black Lives Matter is a situation, is a thing. And I think that that's the two. For me, they're the two major differences that I find in demonstration, in protest, in activism. You know, the language is completely different. I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And um, so it's been, it's been a challenging few weeks to see what's going on in my country. 
Kim and Christina. Oi. Kim and Christina are phenomenal forces. I'm Kim Hackleman. I'm a theater practitioner and I work at the Belgrade Theater. Yeah, hi, I'm Christina. I'm the community producer at the Belgrade Theater. Obviously, there's a lot of pain. And I think what I'm hoping is that out of that pain comes change. And I think through theater, you can help to start the discussions. It's, of course, a very emotional time for all of us, because what I think identifies the Belgrade as Belgrade is that all our stuff is from all over the world in a way we're such a diverse workforce in itself which is great with people from all backgrounds so racism hits us hard because yeah we try to live um, a community life with each other as staff members that is against these kind of odds that currently um, happening or um, and sometimes we're just in a team meeting and we're like, okay, let's have a cry because it's just where to go, you know? And so all of it felt very heavy. And then also being in contact with my my American uh, theatre friends and family, that it just was freaked. I mean, Brazil's horrific at the moment. It's Brazil that really hurt me. I remember I was just crying for, I cried for about two hours. I'm sad. There is sadness there particularly surrounding what's been happening these past few weeks. Oh! Um, okay. What was the question? What was the question? The BLM movement. Black Lives Matter movement. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. As an Indian woman, I've, I've also understood it through the framework of how my community have been affected by it. Although we don't shout about it a lot, uh, I have empathy, um, particularly to black people who deal with police brutality or have been affected by, deal, not deal, have been affected by police brutality. Shouldn't have to deal with it. That's what the protests are about though, I guess, isn't it? Not dealing with it anymore. This is my midsummer night seem to your midsummer night's dream. Yeah, my past been set since city or mean, but they don't teach you about people like me, no education. So you will never know my situation. You will never know about striking for human rights in 74, the United Black and Asian. If I was to speculate, I would say it's the education. So let's say you're a like let's say you're a working class white boy and you grew up where I grew up. You struggled. There's no doubt about it. Life was hard. Finances were hard. You know, uh, family dynamics were difficult. Um, uh, single parent households were difficult. Um, abusive, domestic violence in the household was difficult. Like, that's just a working class experience, isn't it? So it's difficult. And then when you look at that experience and then look at me as a black male, and I'm going to look at you as a white male, and somehow I'm telling you that you have a privilege and you're saying, fuck, Corey, you, you've grown in my house. You have watched the things that I've gone through. You've been right there alongside with me. What privilege is this that you're talking about? Because it would feel non-existent to those people. From your, um, your English lit, even from your The Changeling, from your 
um, uh, Titus Andronicus, from your... I mean, the list goes on, yeah? These are all near enough racist uh, plays, but within these, within the confines of these stories, you have to be able to empathise to actually follow such a complex storyline and understand who your hero is from your anti-hero from blah, 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 blah. Do you get what I mean? In terms of the storytelling of that. Now, if that is your your entertainment and your weekend reading or you're like I when I go to private schools and I teach like Macbeth and they break some of that shit down to me I think oh my lord these these people understand they understand the journey you understand personally I went on a huge journey completely rethinking my role and me as a person in this situation but um yeah, people are doing something and talking. All I know how to do is listen. All we can do in this moment is be still, guys. Is, re is read, read all the books. That simple education, even though it is re really related to the art, that kind of education, but that simple education that it happens in um, uh, private schools or, or, or your middle class public, whatever, 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 in terms of how you read, how you take in information, how you deal with a story, how all of those things gives you an empathetic energy and a sympathetic energy. And I think that when they see the stories now, they no longer, in this period of time during COVID, I think they no longer saw them as stories. They finally saw them as lived experiences. And then when they decided to read, they're able to take away the, the, uh, the wheat from the chat. So they're able to take the um the facts from the nonsense for example but then they're also able to empathize with your anti-hero your george floyd anti-hero because the all lives matter gang keep telling us that he had a criminal record now that so in your anti-hero now these uh, middle class or upper class folk are looking at that character and saying yeah but he didn't deserve to die this is what we're saying and actually regardless of the crimes this is this is what happened because of the education because of i mean that's one little part of it they take arts and culture seriously even though it's an extracurricular thing they take it very very seriously see they want me to believe that we've come a long way they ain't seen what i've seen they ain't been where i've been now you want me to retreat Stay home, save lives. But my life was endangered before COVID-19. So, like all the glitz and the glamour, the fame and the chatter, the leave all remaining natter. I'm here to rage and clatter. All youth screaming, all lives matter. I feel that those who protested it under specific circumstances all of a sudden understood what it was to be attacked for your physical appearance. And then those who were at those marches, and I'm talking specifically to white allies now, who were at certain peaceful marches where police on horseback came around and then and then it got violent and then videos spun a message that meant that BLM, which was once put under a terrorist organisation, was this violent organisation. And then those who attended those marches, who were white allies, were surprised and felt a sense of injustice that the narrative was changed on them. Now, for us, that's normal. 
for us, it was just like, yeah, okay. You know, we all, we, you know, we're very used to this. And I think the far right sometimes feel the same. <laughs> They're always like, you know, this, this isn't how it happened. Um, but I feel like those, in, in particular, the middle class white allies who came out with a lot of heart and a lot of vengeance, and it was beautiful to see. And there was such love and unity in and amongst it, all of a sudden, to be confronted by the people that are supposed to protect you has been my life from birth to now. And I literally mean from birth. This is the thing, though, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, it's not new. It's not it's not something that started three weeks ago. Like, if, if you're an ally, you know, you've known about it because you've been surrounded by it. You've had friends who have experienced, particularly when it, I mean, the protests were surrounding police brutality. Like, I've, I've seen that my whole life. That's nothing new. The realities of youth violence is very, very real in our city. Um, as I say in our song that we've done, the, summer, the Midsummer Night song, I say, um, you know, they want me to believe and they want me to retreat. But my life was in danger long before COVID-19. And that's a fact. I, I, I remember a time when uh, terrorists were being blamed for everything. I mean, UK is terrorists outside of this country, by the way. They're terrorists all over the world. But anyway, I remember being at the Globe once and I was at a great meeting with a lot of phenomenal leaders. All of them were white, but men and women, and, and they were teaching me everything they had to teach. It was actually brilliant. And I remember a, 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 an individual was talking about how he fears now. He's never feared, and now he has to fear for his life. And a, a woman agreed with him. And then they were having this conversation, and I didn't get involved, and, and she basically said, well, what do you think, Corey, you know? And I said, well, in all honesty, I've feared for my life from I was a young man anyway, so this ain't new to me. You you saying that you're scared to come out of your house or that you have to watch your back, that's literally how I lived from the age of about nine, eight, nine years old anyway. And the room went really, really quiet. Um, and I thought, God, how can we all live in the same country but different countries at the same time? My England is not your England. Like, they're very, very different. Because when I say black lives matter, it's because I'm literally black lives matter. Taught to love my attacker. I'm bop with swagger. He's a good rapper. <laughs> no. Hear what I'm saying. I beg that you feel what I'm saying. I only take the knee when I pray to God. It's like God don't hear when I'm praying. And what I let in my own allyship, um, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to listen. Like sometimes it really is hard to do active listening um, because we're human and active listening is hard. <laughs> but it's really important that we do. It's really important that we hear the words that people are saying for the words they are saying and take those words and not interpret them as our own because they're not our words. That's how I feel. But welcome to the new allies. We like having you. Just make sure you listen. Uh, and to the old allies, maybe dust up on our listening skills too. And, and just remind ourselves that that's what we're here to do right now. And to take action when we can. It's great to have this feeling within the staff because no one is alone. And as we are all artists in a way, we 
we know how relevant it is to sometimes just speak about how we feel as humans to then be again in our roles and try how we can lift this experience in our team when we go out into the project. Theatre for, in conjunction with Black Lives Matter, is, is just another platform where you can talk or you can do whatever you want, actually. Maybe not talk if you don't want to, because we've been doing so much talking that maybe a lot of us are just tired. <laughs> I, need, I need, need respite now. <laughs> um, I think it can be that too. This is my Midsummer Night's theme to your Midsummer Night's dream. I'm not sure if this is the perfect answer for the podcast, but just being honest, I think as the reality at the background is currently that most of the stuff has been sent into furlough. We're just at the moment one and like two people doing the community work of 10 or 12 people. So honestly, we're working <laughs> and there's not a lot of free time at the moment and it's very stressful because we miss our colleagues and we know we're just good when we have our team back but right now we don't and this is yeah so yeah this is my midsummer feeling honestly i always find it interesting because at the, at the day that it is the longest day and you feel that expanse of, of, of and the sun um there, i'm also aware that then the next day begins the descent into winter every day is too short for me at the moment interesting because one of the things i always said about this summer solstice thing that we were going to do anyway was that actually for a lot of the working class this isn't a great time any day that lasts longer than it needs to is, isn't a good day what does the part of theater has to play in this What's that? It's a radio outside in a car, very loudly. You know what's joke? We were going to do a show called Hanging Trees, and, and Hanging Trees was about the sickness of mankind, human individuals. And we were using the trees because they live thousands and thousands of years, and because we use wood to do all sorts of horrible things to one another, and because they've had lynchings and hangings of all different races on them, etc., etc. And the show was about how the trees and Mother Nature had decided that mankind had to go, basically, because it had stopped doing ill things to one another and had begun doing ill things even to its environment, to them, and blah, blah, blah. And then COVID came around and I thought, rah, COVID is actually the thing that I'm talking about. COVID is like this virus that says to everybody, stay the bleep at home, you get me? And actually, um, I'm... I'm going to give the universe an opportunity to research some stuff for themselves. That's actually what I think has happened with the amount of white allies that have come popping out the woodworks. I genuinely feel like they've had time. This shit's come up and they've ignored it once. Um, uh, you know, Ahmad was, was shot. They ignored it. You know, the amount of police brutality incidents, but also racial incidents that were happening. And in George Floyd, this is the most interesting pandemic of them all. George Floyd happens during this COVID time. And it's like people actually began to pay some sort of attention and then look into their own history. And then came something that we could never have imagined, which was this world, this mass response, not to George Floyd, to injustice, you know. And I feel like that would have never happened outside of this COVID-19 period of time. 
And again, it's just the universe's response to mankind's hatred for one another. I feel like we were in the thick of it when it came to lockdown. Um, and then it got to this like point where it almost felt hopeful. We, I think we all got to, well, I definitely got to a point where I thought, like, oh, this is the end now. Like, let's start, Felicia, start thinking about how you're going to get out, man. <laughs> um, and I got really excited. And then, and then it was almost like, it felt like, it felt like the, like the world wasn't resting very easy. It felt like that we had, we still had a journey to go on before we could come out of lockdown. I guess that journey with Black Lives Matter, isn't it? This is my midsummer night's theme to your midsummer night's dream. I've been thinking about how life is changing summer nights.